Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Stump Sumps and Beer Pumps, a podcast for you, the players, supporters and the hard-working volunteers that make a glorious game from the lowest to the highest levels in the UK and beyond. We at Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps have now teamed up with Derbyshire County Cricket Club to promote cricket at all levels across the county and wider regions. I'm Rick, I'm here with Ian, Richard and Neil as we take you on a journey around our home here at Winslow Cricket Club in Burn-on-Trent. On this podcast, we'll keep you updated on all the goings-on here at Winslow Cricket Club, and we will also be answering all your questions and inviting you, the listener, to send in all your stories from around the cricketing world. We will, of course, have a special guest coming with their view from Cow Corner with all their stories, ideals and anecdotes. So, let's get started and bring you up to date with the goings-on at Winslow Cricket Club, the little club with a big personality. So welcome to another edition of Stump Sumps and Beer Pumps. On Cow Corner, on this episode, we've got uh, John Fuller, editor of Cricket Yorkshire website since 2011, and a real encyclopedic knowledge of uh, over the over 80 plus divisions in the huge county of Yorkshire. So over to you, Livo. Welcome back to Cow Corner. Back on Zoom today, chatting up north with a gentleman who describes himself as retired left arm seamer. With the best of eight for 85. Yes, I have ripped it off his website. He's the author of Last of Summer Wickets and the best title ever, All Wickets, Great and Small. And he's also a winner of the J.M. Kilburn Cricket Writer of the Year Award. Today with me, it's the Doyen of Club Cricket in Yorkshire and indeed the Cricket Yorkshire website. Welcome to our podcast, John Fuller. How are we, John? Yeah, good, thanks. Great to be here. Uh, I think you just said Doyen, which made me sound very important. So thank you for that. <laughs> No, looking forward to it. It's been Definitely. brilliant to find out a bit about the podcast, so looking forward to the questions. 
Well, the podcast, as everyone knows who follows us, is dead simple. We talk all about the same thing as you do. In Yorkshire, we talk on a national basis. We, we recorded this for anyone who's watching this. We recorded this on the first day of the last test at the Oval. And yes, we have kept an eye on the score. However, what's more important to me, and I, I'm very blunt about this, is how many games will be played in the Derbyshire County Cricket League this weekend? And we've already chatted off, off uh, John, but you've had some fun with the weather up in Yorkshire the last few weeks in club cricket, haven't you? Yeah, it's been uh, awful. <laughs> I think technical that's a term. meteorological term for it. Yeah. Very technical. Um, yeah, league's just losing the whole programmes to the weather. And obviously, everyone up here plays cups on um, Sundays as well. So yeah. um, we might get to a stage fairly soon where leagues are sort of scrabbling around trying to fit everything in because there's going to be a crunch point because it's been a, yeah, it's been a number of weeks. So it starts to add up. Um, particularly for clubs, obviously, that are doing well and getting into various competitions, yeah. maybe, you know, nationals, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, a balancing act coming up. When was the last time you physically saw some cricket yourself? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I will probably talk about this in a bit, but um, I watched quite a bit of kind of village cricket in North Yorkshire this summer. That must be going back two, three weeks. Really? Um, my, my poor wife. Uh, I get kind of stir crazy in the summer if I haven't watched a game in a week. Yeah. I get very antsy. So yeah. I was going to say, is she actually enjoying having you there, or she wants to just to get on your backside um, and get out there? Uh, well, let's go with she's enjoying it. But um, yeah, no. Um, so definitely ready to watch more cricket. That's for sure. It's it's been one of those years so far. We started off reasonably, um, no, but being no. British, we could talk about the weather as everyone knows forever. Um, it's the one thing that we're really good at, isn't it? Definitely. So. <laughs> Tell us, John, you know, we always like to start our pods and who we speak to with the most basic and obvious question. You know, tell us a bit about your background and you know, your, your lot, how long you've been involved in cricket and your earliest memories. Yeah, sure. Um, so even though I run Cricket Yorkshire, uh, originally I'm actually from Somerset. So in terms of getting into cricket, I remember at school. So I was drafted into our under-10s team at school. Uh, I couldn't bat. I couldn't bowl. <laughs> I was terrified of a cricket ball um, and I was just thrust in, you know, to make up the numbers. And we had at the time at that age kind of two Somerset like under 11 bowlers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was just putting the slips because, you know, no one else wanted to field, field yeah. there at junior cricket. That's where you go. You get yeah. shoved there. Um, so I didn't catch anything. I think I probably threw myself out the way of the ball quite a bit. <laughs> Um, but somehow that kind of stuck with me and, and far from putting me off, um, I kind of got into it and enjoyed it and then became, uh, fashionably actually, uh, an off spinner who couldn't okay. spin the ball. <laughs> right. So long before the arm ball now became... You had a your, permanent arm It goes arm on with the arm and it's like, that's a delivery. I bowled yeah. that every ball. I was way ahead of my time. Yeah. Um, and... It, what what happened actually? Uh, a friend of mine who I remember this quite clearly, James Harvey, he was called, and he bowled. He was a left arm quick uh, and got nine wickets for one run, uh, scored cricket. Wow! Um, and I was a left armer as well, and I just thought, why am I watching my bowling disappear all over the place when I can bowl fast? So mm-hmm. that was a kind of eureka moment for me, and I switched to bowling, kind of uh, seam up, um, yeah. and it went a bit. A bit better since. Okay. Um, when when did you then, officially yeah, retire, though? Uh, when I was 40. So I started playing cricket at the age of kind of nine or ten. Um, school 30, 30 years in club cricket. 
Yeah, roundabout. Um, mm. I stopped basically because I could only really commit to kind of the the old game here or there. Uh, and in my head, I was still 21, very fit and throwing myself around. And then my body said, actually, you're 40, you keep breaking stuff. Um, and as a kind of freelance writer, your hands are quite important, your fingers are quite oh. useful, and uh, you don't get any sick pay. So, um, yeah, it was a shame, but it was kind of that time. And, and Cricket Yorkshire's will probably talk about yeah. what's kicking on. So it just all made sense. Watching the cricket, though, still. So I'm very yeah. into the game. So I'm going to pry a little bit further there then. So based upon when you say Cricket Yorkshire started and you retired at 40, you must have been brought up in that area in Somerset with the big boys down there. Uh, you can't have been far off the Joel Garner, Viv Richards. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one of my, well, probably, we, I think this is a, might be a question later on, I don't know, but one mm. of my heroes growing up was definitely Joel Garner. Mm. Um because that fearsome height he could bowl Yorkers <laughs> at, you know, he had a, a fantastic, extraordinary pace and part of that battery of the West Indian fast bowlers that yeah. was just relentless. But yeah, it kind of, I, I think, and maybe this is me being Yorkshire ahead of my time, but he was very miserly. You know, I don't know, statistically, uh, <laughs> he, if he went for three runs and over, it was awful kind of thing. He was yeah. incredible and obviously got loads of wickets. So yeah, he was my hero growing up and we'd, I went to school in Taunton and just walked down to the county grounds. Oh. You know, just um, looking back, uh, it's really interesting how nowadays, um, you know, the the typical view is that kids need a short amount of cricket and buy mm-hmm. size because of attention spans. I don't know if that's the case or not, but uh, back mm-hmm. then I, I just kind of immersed myself in cricket. So watching a day's play was just glorious. You could go down, you get your autograph um, bat signed. And, and yeah, it was fantastic. So um, county cricket kind of pulled me in further into the game, I guess. And that really, that's really interesting you talk about the, the kids of today. I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. We all keep sort of dumbing them down to a certain extent and saying they need T10, T20. But actually, I look at the kids at our club who will play 16 overs in under 11 and they'll turn up half an hour, 40 minutes before and they're running around with bats and balls. They'll play their 16 overs and then they'll carry on playing afterwards. Yeah, I think there's there's something to that. And I guess you can't sort of have one one size fits all. And I'm a big kind of advocate of the shorter formats as part of like an overall picture. Um, But yeah, I, I don't think it's the case that you know, you can't enjoy a day at the cricket, I suppose. Was it a light bulb moment for you to sort of go down the route of um, retiring from cricket? It's clearly not just a love, it's a passion um, to have played club cricket for 30 years. And that's what we're all about on Stumps, Stumps and Beer Pumps. And was it, that's where the passion to, to start the, the website Cricket Yorkshire was? Um, it was. I My background kind of professionally was as a a kind of writer and editor of a publishing company. That's what I did when I spent, I spent probably about 10 years living in London, uh, Teddington, Twickenham, so Southwest Cricket, London. Well, you related to cricket straight away there, you see. Oh, no, I know. That's my reference yeah. point in life. I can do any, I can link anything to cricket. Um, so, no, I, I played sort of ten, um, 10 years there for a very nice club called Teddington Town. I think in the Surrey Championship now, they were the Thames Valley League. Um, but my background was, yeah, in publishing and writing. And I, I always wanted from a very early age to kind of get into journalism. So my first freelance break, I suppose, um, again, has a Somerset link. Mm. Um, I, I wanted to get an article published in one of the big magazines. Um, so I approached the 
uh, Cricketer magazine said, if I get you an interview with Ricky Ponting, will you publish it? And they yeah. said, yes. <laughs> and then I thought, how am I going to get an interview with Ricky Ponting? Um, okay. Because he had uh, just signed a, a sort of month deal at, at Somerset. Sor- oh, at Somerset, right. Yeah, yeah. So this is probably going back a bit. Um, and then being from there, it just all made sense. So uh, I went down for the day. Almost missed the interview because he did a day with Channel <laughs> 4 and Vericell. No one had told him I was coming and it was just mm-hmm. all of it. But anyway, it happened. Um, and that was the first thing I did. And then kind of kicked on from there, really. So writing regularly and doing freelance stuff for magazines, mm-hmm. sorts of things. Um, you know, Wisdom and yep. Cricket Paper I did quite a bit for. Um, and so there's always been that sort of writing about grassroots cricket for, for quite a while. And then I, I came up to Yorkshire and... Um, I was, I was struggling for work in terms of finding the right editorial stuff that lit mm. me up and excited me. And I, it was my wife kind of said, we did a walk down by the canal uh, and, we're, and she just said, why don't you start your own thing? And, you know, it was kind of, it was that light bulb moment. Why not? And the idea of running my own business sort of terrified me and, and kind of didn't ever appeal. Um, but equally, I had the knowledge and uh, it was cricket mad era, obviously, yeah. loads of cricket to, to talk about. Um, so it felt like a really good fit. So mm. I started, uh, I think it's 13 years ago, and no one had heard of me. And you've just got to um, stick it out and show your, you know, your stuff and you're there for the long haul. Uh, and gradually, you know, the audience grew. So, yeah. It's, um, it, yeah, it's been an incredible journey. I mean, it's now the website gets, I was looking the other day because uh, I'm a bit obsessed with stats. Um, so, so far this year, we've had 115,000 visitors to the site. Uh, I think there's probably about 16,000, give or take, people that follow on Twitter and Facebook. And that's a really powerful thing to be able yeah. to do, to write about cricket and showcase stories, different uh, levels of the game, you know, show people about leagues that they don't know about, issues in the game, all sorts of stuff you can do, as you yeah. know yourself with this. Absolutely. So, um, hugely enjoyable. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's building a building. It's great, isn't it, to be able to just put something back to a certain extent into what your passion is um, and publicise it for let's be honest, all the positive reasons that, that we've got around uh, cricket. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, the challenge for me as a website has been to monetize it in a long-term kind of sustainable fashion. So not mm-hmm. flood it with ads, uh, work with the right companies, uh, kind of build the audience. Um, and, and there aren't many websites like mine, and I don't mean that in a big-headed way, but more, uh, frankly, covering recreational cricket because uh, the money... Well, perception of the money and the interest is all in the international game, which is rubbish. That yeah, sure, there's loads of interest in international cricket. Yeah. But there's a huge interest in grassroots cricket. So there's room for both. And so I've kind of worked with companies over the years to kind of build something long term. And again, we might get into one of my favourite subjects, cricket tea, uh, cricket teas. But um, we so talked for hours on that. Yeah, I know. I could. Um, yeah, working with someone like Yorkshire Tea, which I am this year, um, it's it just opens up all sorts of opportunities to talk about the game, but also obviously promote whatever it is that they're doing. Um, no, it's been lots of fun. Yeah, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The fact that. The number one objective of Cricket Yorkshire and what you do is to talk positively about grassroots cricket. Yep. We know there are issues in cricket from bottom to top. 
Uh, you know, the, the ECB report recently highlighted quite a few, and obviously a lot of that started off in Yorkshire, as we well know. What we see on a day-to-day basis in club cricket, and what I'm sure you see on a day-to-day basis in club cricket, is just 99.9% positive. T- telling that story of positivity is what you've done really well and what we try to do as a podcast and what we try to talk about. But club cricket, first and foremost, is the most important thing because in how many people play club cricket on a Saturday versus watch the test match? Yeah, yeah, you did right. Um, and to pick up your point around kind of being positive, I I try and balance it because I'm aware sometimes people may think that I just talk about the, the good stuff and, um, you know, sometimes I'll dip myself into a subject which is controversial, whether it's yeah. kind of racism cricket and discrimination and the challenges. So I'll interview someone on that. I've talked about things like obviously health, so skin cancer and and kind of the impact of the sun i worked with yorkshire cancer research in the past on that so there's all sorts of things that are important that come up and you can't shy away from but equally i just think that generally the coverage of grassroots cricket certainly nationally is very simple and that is how many people play the game and if it's gone down it's all doom and gloom yeah and it's like well hang on you know um what about all the people that give up their time every weekend to help run clubs uh, what about all the people that coach for free, all the people yeah. that make teas, uh, you know, and I could go on, obviously do the grounds. There's yeah. a huge amount of goodwill and thing, uh, things associated with grassroots cricket just to make it happen, frankly. And then for me as a journalist, it's kind of unearthing stories, hopefully not all the time, but sometimes that people don't know about. And yeah, a lot of them are positive because I think that's a really important part the overall kind of dialogue, I suppose, particularly here in Yorkshire at the moment, there's a lot obviously has gone on in the last couple of years. That's important to cover and important not to shy away from. Um, yeah, there's a lot a lot of good stuff going on. And if we're not careful, you get caught up in maybe some national headlines and forget about the other stuff. Stumps, bumps, and bumps. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You've been at it now, what, 10 plus years with Cricket Yorkshire. It's quite interesting you say you were an outsider to a certain extent coming in to do that when you moved to Yorkshire. How welcoming have the clubs become over the years for you now that they know what you're doing? Yeah, very is the short answer to that. Um, (laughs) Well, it depends what I've written about. I've written a lot in 13 years. I bet. Um, uh, But no, generally, I get two reactions. Either I say I'm coming and swap emails and stuff. But again, I I don't always do that, mainly because of the weather, frankly. I try not to be too organised because then I let people down. So, But if I do, then they may, you know, not roll the carpet out, but, you know, someone's around and they maybe Mm. make a bit more of an effort, which is very kind, uh, show me all around, uh, have a chat and all that kind of stuff. Most of the time, I just sort of turn up and announce like a secret shopper. Not to catch them out, but just because often plans change, as you know. And, yeah. you know, you know, the last few weeks I've planned half a dozen games at least. And then, oh, no, it's raining there. How about that? Oh, no, that's raining. So, um, yeah, I'll just turn up at grounds. But um, 
I think they appreciate anyone showing an interest is the mm. honest truth. Because leagues do a very good job of promoting uh, clubs and what's happening and stuff. Obviously, yeah. there's quite a bit on play cricket statistically. Uh, local press, it depends, actually. They're up here in Yorkshire, newspapers will cover it. Different regions will do it better or, or don't have the resources. But probably says a trend, there's a lot less coverage of grassroots cricket than there was. You know, cutbacks and everything else. So I think Cricket Yorkshire fills a niche. Uh, not yeah. just me, there's there's a, others, you know, radio, TV, all sorts of other stuff. You know, when they, they kind of hear that they're being covered, uh, I turn up with a camera. So what are the things I do is I photograph games. I've been doing that for, well, since I started, really. Partly, I enjoy the photography, uh, partly because, practically, if you're interviewing a club, uh, who has photos of players? Very few. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's both. And it's grown into something where those photos get shared. I see a huge amount of people on Facebook with my photos as their profile, which is kind of a backhanded compliment. So, yeah, the photography is great as well. Another sort of side to it. Um, so yeah, very friendly. That was a long answer. Brilliant. And the more that that happens around the country, the more again the professionalism that comes out across the social media and the way clubs operate, doesn't it? Yeah, I think um, I'm fortunate up here. There's a few photographers. There's a guy called Ray Spencer who's the Bradford League photographer. Very kindly shares some images when I need them of players. Mark Doherty uh, runs a he's kind of Harrogate based. Runs a, a company called Court Light. Um, takes incredible photos of uh, well, generally where he is, so North Yorkshire clubs. But with kit that's, I'd probably describe my kit as kind of middle of the range, but I'm certainly not a professional photographer. It, you know, it's not my job. Yeah. It's an element of my job and the, the photos are fine. Certainly good enough. I've been paid before, so I guess there's a freelance element. But, but when you see someone who is way ahead and their kit and their expertise is just, you know, it, it's great to see that, but for yeah. club cricket, the sort of quality you'd see in a, a national newspaper on a, a front page and then you're seeing it on social. It's um, it's great. It's really, really powerful. How are the Yorkshire leagues set up and split? Because Yorkshire, let's be honest, is a big county from the north to the south to the east to the west. How are the leagues set up around there for you? So there are a lot of leagues. Um, the number changes all the time. <laughs> Not up, obviously, but down. Um, but if we said roughly about 80 leagues, yeah, 80 leagues, um, that may not be junior and senior. So there may be more than that. But if we said roughly 80 and probably a a big thing to sort of flag up is I think it was 2015 was the end. And then 2016, the start was when league cricket in Yorkshire was restructured. There used to be one Premier League. Um, Well, that's not strictly true. There's North Yorkshire, South Durham, but everyone else was in one big league. So Sheffield Collegiate. All the way up to Scarborough, it was a yeah sort of a huge league in terms of geographical travel, and they split it up. So the Bradford League became a Premier League. Um, North Yorkshire South Durham, you know, carries on is a very well established, very well run league, and then you had the ECB Yorkshire League North, uh, kind of North Yorkshire, uh, and then the Yorkshire Cricket Southern Premier League. So you've got four Premier Leagues, uh, and essentially it's a pyramid structure. And so anyone can go up and reach Premier League status, assuming mm-hmm. they hit various criteria in terms Obviously. of grounds and everything else. And then you'll have feeder leagues along the way. So below the Premier Leagues, you have a league like uh, in West Yorkshire, the Air Wolf League. I live in Bingley, so that covers a bit of that. Um, is it like the, the Nidderdale League and things like that? Yeah, Nidderdale is North Yorkshire, um, kind of Harrogate, York, 
Huddersfield have got a league. Uh, Huddersfield League uh, are an interesting one because they're a small league, uh, some very good teams, very good players, but they are currently working their way to become a Premier League. Now, I yeah. don't know how long that's going to happen. Uh, obviously, you have to have club mark status for all your clubs and mm-hmm. all sorts of other stuff, but they're in the process of trying to do that. So that will be interesting of itself, but also where that fits in the, the sort of broader Yorkshire picture, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you've got four Premier Leagues, you've got feeder leagues. And I guess from everyone I've talked to, that's had a number of effects interestingly positive and maybe negative as well uh positive i think the standard of cricket has gone up rather than one kind of league at the top you've got four premier leagues and yeah i, I think if you talk to, to players the, the yep. overall standard has improved which you want at the very top there's obviously a pathway if you're an ambitious club and you do all the things and you want to grow and, and go up the leagues you can do that you're not sort of stuck um negatively i would say uh inevitably creates a divide so you'll have clubs that maybe have some good players that want to play at a better standard and so they will leave and suddenly you know the the bigger clubs get better and and more influential and and, you know someone has to lose out on that Mm -hmm. equation so yeah it's interesting it's interesting it's both but have you seen many clubs disappear in the past few years with that sort of change i i don't think you could probably say because of the the restructure, but maybe some people will argue differently. Um, they're definitely clubs have folded. As I said, I've been running this 13 or so years and clubs fold every year. And when I first did that uh, or heard about that in the first couple of years, I, I kind of thought, well, that's awful. I don't know if I'm just a bit older and grumpier, but um, now I kind of feel like it's a huge amount of work on very small amount people to run a club and i've seen clubs where it just grinds people into the ground so if they're not getting the support to to do the pitch and make the tees and do all the million of things um i kind of feel like if someone else is going to step up and they decide you know what enough's enough well that's the way it is that it's run its course i I don't you know and that might be in yorkshire and other places clubs where they've had hundreds of years of history so i guess there's you kind of feel sad for that. It's a it's a people enterprise, isn't it? If it comes behind, then um, I kind of feel well. It should never be left to one or two people for too long. Definitely. So yeah, there has been uh, club folding, but equally merging. So you also get the flip side where two clubs are struggling. They merge, pools players and resources, and they actually grow and prosper. Hello, son. How did the game go? It was okay. But I broke my bat. Can I get a new one? You've done what? Broke your bat? Oh, that's just great. How am I going to afford to get a new one now? I just haven't got that kind of money. Why don't you try Village Cricket? Village Village who? Village Cricket. They have a range of bats and they are a fraction of the price of other brands. Very good bats as well. Some from our club have got their bats. Very good quality and very good prices. And they don't just do bats, they do all the equipment you need, all for the same great price. Well, that sounds great. I'll have to have a look. Sounds just what I need. Thanks. The Village Cricket Company stock a wide range of cricket equipment for every age group, all without the usual high price tag. Visit them now on www.villagecricket.co and on checkout use promotion STUMPS10 for a further 10% discount. The 10% discount only applies to the product purchase and not the shipping charge, which is a standard £5 per order. VillageCricket.co aim to dispatch all orders within 24 hours, so you should receive your order within 2-3 to three working days. 
For more information, visit www.villagecricket.co. This promotion expires 30th of September 2023. Visit villagecricket.co for all your cricketing needs. Villagecricket.co Stumps, bumps and beer bumps. And that's where clubs fall foul, isn't it? Where locally, where clubs have literally disappeared off the face of the earth in the last two, three years because they just didn't have the volunteer base, didn't have the player base, and in a lot of cases, didn't have the junior base, and that's the killer. Yeah, I kind of, uh, it's a complex picture here in Yorkshire, to be honest. So you have clubs that um kind of prospering and have done much better in the last five years. So they've got better facilities, they've strengthened and they've gone up the leagues and whatever. Um, clubs that have folded or are really struggling financially. I think village cricket is an interesting one because you see all sorts of examples in that. You'll see club like just to pluck one out of thin air. Woodhouse Grain, though, Yorkshire, a North Yorkshire club, they are coincidentally the most successful club in the in history the village of cup. the National Village Cup. But if you look up them up on Google Maps, it's not like it's a, a, a massive metropolis. There's, you know, they're in the middle of nowhere. So that is a club that you'd guess may struggle or could struggle, but actually have gone the other way. Uh, they've got sponsors, they've got great facilities, and they're great on the pitch. So, it, you know, there's those kind of clubs. And then the flip side, I suppose, are those often with one team and they don't probably qualify for grants or various yeah. things. And they kind of fall slightly out of the... They're in the shadows. I don't mean that malevolently. I just mean in terms of, I suppose, the ECB, how they see the game. Yeah, yeah. So they don't qualify for much financial assistance. Uh, they maybe don't have a big pool of players, play on a council ground that may or may not be well looked after. And yeah, I feel that there's a lot of those, certainly here in Yorkshire and in other counties, that will are struggling at the moment. And those are the ones that need attention but probably don't get it because maybe they don't you know they don't run a junior side they don't tick a lot of sort of admin boxes but they're just as important it doesn't matter if you run one team to me anyway that might be naive but to me if you run a, a small village team with 11 guys or girls or um you know a big sort of multi multi-tier team um it doesn't matter it's nope. all cricket. Uh, it's just as valuable so for me i'm kind of interested in those smaller leagues, I, I um, actually on Facebook at the moment, I posted an article. It wasn't by me, but fascinating little league in North Yorkshire called the Feversham League. Only six teams, uh, little villages or little valleys, um, very rural, and it's it's thriving in its own way. I mean, you know, in terms of probably ECB st- statistics, it's it's um, not considered. But actually, um, if you judge the and this isn't very kind of uh, scientific, but if you hop on Cricket Yorkshire's Facebook page, you'll see the engagement is off the roof. It's, um, I think it's a photo of a team called Farndale, and it's kind of a, a field where they play uh, regardless where there's sheep. So there happens yeah. to be someone's mowed a strip, but there's a very long grass and there's a run out. Uh, and people love that. There's a huge kind of passion for and suppose affection for that side of the game as well which is a long way from Premier Leagues and sort of the structure that we both I suppose have experience of Um, and I guess it goes back to my point of there's room for both isn't there? 100% um, there are lots of successful clubs around the country that just keep ticking over. And you know, Favisham is a great example of that. And Woodhouse Grange is the perfect example because of their success in the Village Cup. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I guess with what I do on Cricket Yorkshire, it's trying to cover both. So mm. over the years, I've interviewed well, loads of Premier League cricketers from the different 
uh, Brad, whether it's Bradford League or yeah. whatever it happens to be. Uh, and people are really interested in that. And there's a huge interest in how those top teams are doing, whether mm. how they're doing nationally, how they're doing in the league. Massive competition, historic rivalries that go back you know, hundreds of years. So yeah. there's always that passion for the game. But equally, there's the, the kind of village cricket. I mean, I know village cricket is a term. Uh, I started playing cricket in Somerset in villages and have a massive kind of affection for it and I know it can be a sort of almost derogatory term but more affectionate term um I just see it positively I'm kind of a glass half full so yeah there's lots of those kind of stories and my job is always to seek them out and to kind of tell them well so yeah tell we've we've talked a bit about grounds tell us about some of your favorite grounds and your favorite haunts around Yorkshire oh that's such a um we, can we do a, a separate podcast just on that? Um, I think we could do a national podcast <laughs> on that quite easily. I've got a number of friends who would love to do that. Um, okay, well, I'll give you a, a sort of snapshot of different types of ground. So I have probably visited out of Yorkshire's 800 or so clubs, uh, probably about a quarter, about 200 roughly. Uh, small grounds, you have really really small grounds um crake hall is uh north yorkshire uh next to a hall as it would sound tiny tiny um beautiful wooden sort of small clubhouse um on one side i think it's the wall of a cemetery but i might have that wrong but it is literally i would say about 10 paces from the middle to the boundary <laughs> uh, i think there's a tree around you know it in the ground um so tiny, tiny. Um, another one in the, uh, the Halifax League is quite near me in West Yorkshire. So have 32 clubs. Um, they're either typically at the top of a massive, you know, uh, right up in, the, up in the gods, I suppose, is the best yeah. description, or down the valley. Yeah. It's kind of either or. So you've got spectacular views or you're down in the valley. It's all lush and green. Um, there's a little village club or there's a little ground called Triangle. Um mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, I haven't paced all these out, but it's another one where on one side of the ground, it's not a tiny, it's one of those strange ones that on one side, it's very, very small to the boundary, but mm-hmm. there's an overall stretch of grass. It's actually a bit bigger, but uh, but there's a little kind of babbling brook next to it. And on one side, you, they just score huge amounts of runs, both sides, <laughs> you know, kind of 250, 300 is not unusual. And sort of nudging it for what would be one and, you know, fars it for six into the brook. So it's, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. So small grounds. High up, you've got, I said, the Halifax League. There's a ground called Queensbury. The great thing about Yorkshire is that um, within kind of urban areas, whether it's towns or cities, within sort of five, ten minutes, you're out in the middle of nowhere in a little village setting and it can feel like the middle of nowhere. So Queensbury is actually uh, probably a couple of miles from Bradford. It, um, you know, from central Bradford, busy, bussing city. You go out, you just head up, up until you think you're sort of Kilimanjaro height. You plop out and it's very, very Yorkshire up there in the sense that you've got kind of uh, white sort of stonewashed walls, um, very small ground. You can see forever up there. Um, You can get pneumonia in August. (laughs) Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but you get the gist. Uh, yeah, sort of high up grounds. Um, and then, to be honest, my some of my favourites are countryside. So I probably err towards rural grounds, so little cricket clubs. Um, 
to give you a couple off the top of my head, this year I've been to a club called Ingleton, um, and that is the only Yorkshire club in this league, and it's called the Westmoreland League. And it's interesting because it covers, I think, three counties. So you're in North Yorkshire, a bit of Cumbria and a bit of Lancashire, and they kind of yeah. all merge and there's bits of each. Yeah. And I went, I happened to pick a very good day, I think it was May or June, um, beautifully hot sunny day. It's one of those where it's a, a ground that feels almost sunk down, so it's got slopes around it. Um, and yeah, just very friendly welcome. You know, they said what I was doing. I thrust a, a cup of Yorkshire tea and, you know, that's an instant winner. It's like, right, I'm going to give a, a glowing reference to this club. Um, and just very friendly and approachable and, and beautiful green spot with the yeah. like, fraggy hills in the background. So I, I to be honest, I've, I've written about it in a book. I could wax lyrical about the different clubs for decades. So I hope that's given a flavour. But Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I, th- I think... What goes with clubs and and with grounds in particular, the characters. The number one character everyone knows at our place is Brian the ball finder. Brian who sits on our pavilion's uh, bench with his cigar and he has a stump just stood next to him. And when the ball goes into a hedge... If they can't find it, we send Brian the ball finder out and Brian goes and he, he's probably got, I'm going to say, a 60 to 70% success rate in finding balls. A small ground like ours is very valuable. You must have come across one or two of those characters in, in the Yorkshire Leagues. Yeah, I think so. I um, I haven't planned it this way, but I often uh, get to know groundsmen or, as they're known now, groundskeepers to be yeah. I suppose, gender neutral. Um, uh, And one that springs to mind that I went back to this year, uh, it's a beautiful little village club called Glass Houses. They hit the sort of national media, I think probably the start of the year. So they they have one team, they're in the Nidderdale League, um, north of Harrogate, really, really beautiful spot. Um, But they were struggling to basically survive. They weren't Mm -hmm. sure had a few members at the start of the year and they weren't sure if they're going to get a team together so anyway that worked they have but a lot of that came out of the publicity around a guy called ken hainsworth he's the groundsman there um i I don't know if he's played this year but he's in his mid-80s and he certainly has played and is still down to play and was when we chatted uh he was a bit put out that he wasn't selected (laughs) um he's also been doing the ground there for uh, I don't know how long, many decades. When I arrived, there was a guy painting the lines uh, in the mid-innings. And I just assumed it was someone else. I was mm. like, well, Ken's not going to be doing the ground now. I hadn't seen him for a couple of years, and I just thought he's probably got his feet up. But no, he's still doing the ground. Uh, he lives on the ground, so it's um, wow. a sort of cottage with a stone wall. And then on the other side of the stone wall is pretty much the pitch. Um, and it, it's a kind of quirky ground because at a point, um, it curves at right angle so you can sit on the bank and be kind of fielding at fourth slip. Uh, ground staff, uh, are all, they're always full of stories, so they're a great one to get chatting to. They, they seem to know everyone and, and obviously have been there for many years usually, so they, they know the lie of the land, literally. You couldn't get more Yorkshire than a groundsman living in a cottage on the ground in his 80s, still playing. I mean, that's... that's Yorkshire club cricket in an absolute <laughs> nutshell, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's And then there's lots of those examples. I guess um, it's both positive and I suppose a bit of a warning bell. So if you're smart, someone is tailing club um, Ken, learning all that he does, um, and hopefully there's a kind of yeah. plan to help him. Um, let's be honest, a succession plan. 
and there may be already and he might get lots of help so i i don't know the the full mm. story but um but yeah that's the other side to it that uh it's admirable but i played at a club uh briefly for probably about three years in west yorkshire called shipley providence so a lot of uh cricket clubs are church-based sides so historically in the 1800s yeah. they were church church-based clubs and they've kept the name so they they were run by i think three guys probably i'd guess in the 70s or 80s um it doesn't really matter the age the point is that they've done everything and they knew where the key to that cupboard was and they yes. knew how they did the ground and you know what's the code for that and how do you apply for that and they knew everything they were an encyclopedia and it's phenomenal but also at the back of my mind i was thinking uh what if and uh what if they decide right i'm going on holiday for the next 10 years thank you very much um and that's the challenges clubs have you rely on the goodwill of volunteers and it comes out in spades but uh if they're smart they you know at some point they have to say well we need to help and we need to spread the load i suppose it may come across as ageist it's not about that uh i've got a huge respect for whether it's Mm. an umpire who's you know still umpiring in their 70s or whatever it happens to be it's more um, representing all areas of a club. And the really interesting clubs for me are ones that get kind of uh, teams involved in decisions. And you yeah. know, they're, they're part of it in, from a junior perspective. And just, you know, committees that are varied and have different points of view and different experience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, lots of clubs do that. I'm not sort of uh, preaching to, I suppose I'm preaching to the converted to some, but others less so. Um, yeah. Stumps, umps, and beer bumps. Super over. And here we go with your first question. What is your favourite ground, John? Uh, glass houses. Your favourite batter? Joe Roots. Favourite bowler? Or Mark Wood, pace. Your favourite tipple? Yorkshire tea, no problem. Absolutely. Your favourite cricket tea item of choice? Curry. Something a bit different. Very. And your sporting hero, cricket or otherwise? Mentioned him earlier, Joel Garner, fantastic bowler. Absolutely. Thanks for that, John. That's amazing. Excellent. Super over. Stumps, umps, and beer bumps. The more clubs do that, the better. I think there's a tipping point as a club grows that they do have to think about change. And we, we all know that change is a swear word in a lot of businesses. In club cricket, it's an absolutely awful word. But we've just got to adapt with the times, haven't we? Yeah, we do. No, we definitely do. Uh, And I I think I'm always interested in how clubs can be supported more. Um, I think one of the things I've often banged the drum about, and I think something that the ECB could do more of, is supporting volunteer recruitment and retention, I suppose. Um, There are a lot of resources from the ECB and support in all kinds of ways, funding and all sorts. To me, that really is the the sort of fundamental problem that a club could have Uh, it can literally kill it or not so for clubs that are thinking you know that there aren't enough people involved in um, and we need more obviously they'll do the traditional stuff of maybe a shout out on social media a bit of press whatever Um, but yeah from a governing point body point of view I I think a lot more effort and resource could be pushed towards Mm. uh, helping clubs you know nationally and all clubs you know if you're struggling how do you how do you do that? And I, I guess I'm always interested from a content point of view. So I see clubs sort of, and I know I get a bit of criticism for this, but um, I wrote an article that I, I'm not sure was that popular, but I'll share anyway um, with your listeners. They may or may not agree. The um, the kind of wartime poster that says we need your help. Yes. Not a big fan of that. 
Um, and I'll tell you why. It's not that, yeah, and I get that volunteers are just trying to do whatever they can. They might have limits to their knowledge of graphics and mm-hmm. uh, time. And, you know, it isn't a pop at volunteers. Hopefully this reflects what I think. But positioning of it is really important. And I yeah. think clubs have a unique opportunity to shout about all the positive stuff they do. So rather than sort of kind of like the pointy finger, you know, you owe us something. No one owes a club anything, frankly. Yeah. But if you flip, you know, I've done a big one for content and messaging. So just flip it and start talking about, you know, how much the club does for the community and how many different people, different generations come down yeah. and enjoy it. And, you know, go and do a little video interview on your phone of members of the committee and what they do and why yeah. they love it. You know, talk to a family and that every club will have a family and, you know, been coming here for 30 years. Why do you do that? What's great about your club? Now, that yeah. kind of stuff is going to look great on social and probably encourage members to join. And it also might help someone volunteer and sort of get involved. Not Hopefully it wasn't a rant. It was no, a, no, not this way. Yeah, point of view. We have, we have got all a bit serious, though, so let's let's just lighten the load as we come towards the end of the chat. Yeah, yeah, you sure. must have seen some funny moments when you've been out there, or some some incidents while you've been out there on some of these uh, outer grounds, shall we call them. I thought, what, what comes to mind? Yeah, um, well, let's talk about animals. Why not? I was going to say sheep. <laughs> yeah, so the, the sheep's an interesting one. I think um, rural leagues here in Yorkshire, and I mentioned the Feversham League, um, you know, it's just that there's just the practicality of that, i.e., you know, it's a farmer's field. Everyone rocks up at six o'clock and yeah. they may or may not have got rid of the sheep, depending on what they need <laughs> to do, because the priority is, you know, the land and the sheep and yeah. not the cricket. Um, and I just kind of love the fact that uh, sheep are wandering around. Um, my experience actually in London has been with deer and stag. Yes, I've seen so, that on the internet recently. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I played probably about 10 years for Teddington Town and yeah. they played Bushy Park, which is one of London's royal parks. And that's the one I saw on the internet the other week. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, beautiful. A number of clubs like Hampton Hill yeah. uh, and, and Teddington, who play at a high level in Teddington Town, um, they all play in Bushy Park. And um, it would not be unusual for you. <laughs> to sort of have the ball in your hand from the bottom end and, and kind of be ready, to, you know, looking around the field, checking your right, okay, I've got mid on, mid off, and you get to the slip cordon and you kind of do a double take. And you're like, four stag coming across. Yeah, literally a stag would have come on and started to field, you know, settled in at leg slip. Yeah. And the wicketkeeper hasn't noticed and you're kind of chuckling away. So uh, I love that, anything. Yeah. Um, and actually, to keep on the kind of animal theme, Last year, my club is Bingley Kongs. Who play mm-hmm. in the, they used to play in the Craven League and they've just moved to the Airwolf League. Um, and I was watching them and there's a, a paddock next to next to them with, yeah. I think, three horses that were always there. But at some point, they just obviously decided they were bored and wanted to run around. So they bolted over uh, during the game. And uh, it was all very kind of like, oh, isn't this funny? And then yeah. <laughs> there was a moment where... I turned around and they ran at me. <laughs> that moment of kind of like, oh, this is this is a bit different. And then it was no. like, oh, there's a massive horse charging at me. And I kind of chucked myself out of the way. But um, various animals on cricket, cricket fields, always yeah. good. And then the one that springs to mind that went viral uh, is the Halifax League with, I think, Asif Ali of Illingworth St. Mary's. So um, one of my commercial partners is Frogbox, who do the live streaming. 
uh, and lots of clubs now do live streaming and I just think it's an awesome way if you can afford it and can factor it and just get a sponsor for it. Um, just using that kind of tech to, to stream games just yeah. so many benefits. Uh, and with Asif, you know, you many will kind of remember it. Uh, he basically hit a six and, mm. and crashed into his own car, extracted a window. And there's that be- just the reaction of players, you know, yeah. and himself when he realised he kind of deflates. <laughs> yeah, and everyone starts well. kind of falling around laughing, no sympathy whatsoever. And, and uh, then I think the club kind of either had a sponsor, uh, a kind of garage or auto glass kind yeah. of style, yeah, or someone stepped forward and saw an opportunity, and you know they they patched up his car. So, Brilliant. you know, just lovely things like that, and that kind of happens all the time, isn't it? Stumps, bumps, and Hey, listen, it, it's been brilliant hearing about Yorkshire and Yorkshire cricket and the, what goes on. Um, and it, it's, it just shows the amount of depth there is around Yorkshire, that there can be a, a website called Cricket Yorkshire, full stop, end of story. Um, you know, it, it's a fascinating area, as I said already, in terms of cricket. And um, your, your passion for club cricket is unbounded and is exactly what we share. And I, I think, you know, to talk to people, anyone in the UK that we do regularly now about just club cricket and what it's all about. It, it, it's fascinating. So I hope you've enjoyed the chat as well. Maybe have another chat again in a few months or a year's time, whatever. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank you very much. Uh, I was really kind of thrilled to discover you. I didn't know about your podcast and I just think, um, no, I, it's just brilliant. The, the, uh, listen to episodes and the, the variety, a bit like me, but obviously largely I'm Yorkshire based or I talk about national subjects, but often with a Yorkshire angle. Um you know, your coverage of all sorts of leagues and different areas of the country and topics and just interesting guests. And I Brilliant. think it's fantastic what you do. So, um, yeah, keep keep doing what you're doing. It's it's important stuff and it is. very good listening. Brilliant. Thanks for that, John. Thanks for the endorsement. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. All right. Take care. So thanks to John and Livo there talking about everything cricket in Yorkshire. Extremely interesting. Um, I suppose what we should do really is talk about what's been happening locally, Neil, and uh, around the scene in uh, Derbyshire and Staffordshire. Big thing that comes to mind is Milford Hall. They literally just won the uh, the Village Cup at Lords, beating Leeds and Broomfield. I watched it, and I know you tuned in for the final few overs, Neil. Did, yeah, I thought they're dead in the water. To be honest with you, yeah, I, thought, I thought they'd done. It was an amazing finish. I don't know if anybody kept up with it or watched it or listened to it on the feed, but. Just to set the scene, it, it was a low-scoring game, wasn't it? Now I think they only 139 was it or something that uh, Milford got at one stage, something like 37 for six or something. But surely Leeds and Broomfield must be kicking themselves now. Yeah, hey, I thought they were coasting it at one stage, and then one they got in, and one lad tried to make a big swing, he got a bowl, yeah, and he got yeah. to that 10 11, and he wanted about not ready to win, did they? Yeah, no, well, I did. I did a couple of stats this morning and. With five overs to go, chasing 140, Leeds and Broomfield were 124 for six. So they only needed 16 runs with four wickets in hand. Off five overs, it was unbelievable. The skipper at Milford, Dan Berry, turned to one of his best bowlers, uh, Chris Dean. There were two set batsmen in for Leeds and Broomfield. One, Alex Chibennuk, he was on 46, not out. And James Mitchison from Leeds and Broomfield, he was on 39, not out. They'd put 70-odd on, 77 on for the... For the seventh wicket, anyway, Chris, Christopher Dean came on, got a wicket first ball, and then they never looked back. They needed eighteen, so they needed twelve off the last eighteen balls, still with three wickets left, and 
somehow contrived to, to lose the game, Leeds and Brentford. Yeah, the one lad that was in, he was um, looked quite set to win it, and I think yeah. they, they bowled like a long up to him. You can see him on the camera. He pulls it towards Car Corner. You see his head drop. I thought, he's, he's out here, because yeah, he, his head dropped down. You couldn't see no, catch on the feet, off. could you? No. But, uh, yeah, the last the last wicket was uh, taken by Milford All Store with Mark Thompson, catch taken by Stuart Fazy, and they won by 10 runs in the end, which is incredible. So... It's the first time a Staffordshire club has won the Village Cup, so oh a big shout-out to Milford Hall. And, fantastic, uh, well, well played. Yeah, fantastic. Moving on to everything Winsel, uh, we had our President's Day recently. How did it go, Neil? It went quite well. We had a diff- different format this year. We did six aside, we tried, so I thought it worked OK, apart from we had a bit of a disaster at the start with Paul <laughs> discreating his knee or whatever he did. It was a bit of a nightmare at the start of the yeah. game. But I wasn't there, but I heard he was squealing like a yeah. the proverbial one. Yeah, it was a, in a lot of pain. It, it was nasty. Uh, yes, I was there as well. It was yeah. very nasty. He was uh, in real pain. Yeah. yeah. So um, ambulance job or? Yeah, uh, we rang the ambulance and they didn't come, so we just shipped him off. Yeah. I think uh, Ellie took him to the hospital <laughs> in the back of the van. And I understand he turned back up later with a big brace on his yeah, leg. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised to see him back, back later on. Yeah. Was, yeah, and that that turned into a bit of a disaster. Yeah, as well, I think the pain it? the pain took hold of him and he, and he collapsed again. So <laughs> a bit of a nightmare. You shouldn't laugh really. <laughs> yes, it, it was second time. He was he was struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, four teams, six aside format, all playing around robin, successful dunk on the barbecue as usual, plenty of money raised. So. Uh, Sounds like a success all round. Yeah, I think uh, Kamal's team won, didn't it? Kamal, your team won? Yes, we, uh, our team was won. Yeah. yeah. Was that captain by Ed Spray, was it? Ed Spray, yeah. That was a quick game, so he, he, <laughs> I think you don't need any advice, but uh, we still give him. Yeah, I bet you did, yeah. Every ball, one, ball one over each, and that was it. And you batted and retired 25. It was good to get everyone round. Yeah, well, we, we, you know, obviously we remember that it's all in honour of our... Esteemed President Mick Causer, uh, 82-year-old groundsman and uh, been president now for many, many years. So it's all in celebration of Mick and long may, long may it continue. We we lost a few balls. Yeah, yeah, did, yeah. yeah. I think next year for this format, I, I think we need more, more balls. Yeah. <laughs> or better bowling. Or better, <laughs> better bowling, yeah. Neil got yeah. me out. Yeah, did he? Yeah. First ball four, then uh, six, yeah. then four, and then stumped. Yeah. Stumped? Who was a keeper? Clarky. Clarky. Clarky stumped. Yes. Oh, Combin- I've not heard about that. Combination so, of three, and then yeah. uh, Simon got a picture. Yeah. And I put the f- on Facebook. And then I said, combination of three on the Facebook, and people are uh, uh, comments that. Match fixing. Yeah. Match fixing. Oh my god! <laughs> Should say that Simon is Simon Hickey, our resident photographer. Who, yeah. If anybody you know wants to look at, at his work, he's he's all over our Facebook feed. His, his photographs are fantastic. Yes, and, absolutely uh, marvelous. Yeah, yeah. It's, they're top notch. They really are. He's, he's a top bloke. So going on to everything, Winsel, uh, first team have had a poor run of form, to be honest with you, and we were literally getting on the edge of relegation, but. A couple of port, you know, decent. Well, we had a win against Chelston recently. Probably seen as safe. I think we're going to finish. Uh, we're close mid-table, to mid-table. I think mid-table. We could get another place up if results go in our favour. A couple of games to go. Uh, second team lost to their arch rivals actually uh, at the weekend, and they now sit fifth in the table. But they're only eighteen points behind second place Mickleover. Uh, they've got Muggington to play. And then they've actually got a final game showdown against Mickleover, so they could still get up there in the mix. If it's quite uh, thing... tight up the top, though. yeah, it is quite tight. They could get <clears> there in the mix, so it could be interesting. So we'll keep an eye on that one as well. 
And then the third team, which we all know is a, a new venture for Winslow Cricket Club this year. It's their inaugural season, uh, playing in Division 10 South. And they finished the season last week. They had a, unfortunately had a game conceded, so they did get maximum points. But it means that they finished second in Division 10. Fantastic. Can't go up, but that's fine. You yes. know, We didn't probably need them to go up. They need to consolidate yeah. a bit more. That's very good for the first year, you know. Yeah, I, I think it is, come on, yeah. But I think the best thing about it, you know, obviously David George has dominated the batting there. You know, he's got something like 500 runs and three centuries. But I think the best thing about it is we've seen the emergence of some really decent young cricketers, like definitely with people like... There are a few, yeah. Riley I've seen on present, yeah. Uh, Nevin Skeen Baker and Harry Taylor. He's what what's the name of uh, Ian Mallard's sons? Uh, Josh and Sam. Sam. Josh and Sam. Yeah, they, they are quite good. Yeah. They, well, the thing is, it, it's they're what twelve, thirteen, so they're, they're still too young to play a bit more. Oh yeah, yeah. Higher level. But I think one one of them uh, will yeah. be a good Winston cricketer <laughs> yeah. in coming years. Yeah. Well, they're all showing what they can do, haven't they? They've all done well. They've all they've all yeah, chipped I mean, in. They've all done a bit. Yeah. You know, it's exactly what we wanted. You know, it's a development side. It's been brilliant, really. Yeah, and I think credit to. Matt Waring and, and Ian Mallory have guided the side on various occasions. It's not been easy. We've not had, always had a ground to play on because of the situation with our artificial, but we've we've got through. We've found them grounds to play on, and I think it's been a, a great success. And Shaft as well. He, uh, yeah, Shaft, that's true. He, he kept wicket and captain in some games when it was the desperate, yeah. weren't it? Yeah, they, were, the they were down to the bare bones the last few games of the season, but credit to them. Finished second. I think that covers Winsell. There's some interesting cricket to come up in the higher leagues, uh, Premier League, Ticknell look like in relegation trouble in the Premier. But interestingly, in Division 2, I think that's that's where the some of the most interesting uh, relegation battles going to be. We've got the likes of Lullington right down there in Division 2, and they could be uh, get, getting relegated. And to see Lullington first team in, in Division 3 next year could be a, a big thing. Mm. It'll make the... Division 3 next year, really interesting because it'll be lo- all local sides. We uh, also, we should mention about going on, the, we went on the radio. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did actually, yeah. We went on Microbrew Radio, me and Neil. We went on their local sports programme on a Monday night. Really good. Andy Lunn hosts it. And we uh, we listened through the Burton Albion Derby County bits on and then we were invited to comment on the, the cricket, which uh, Anton chipped in very well and so we hope to do it again but as importantly anybody listening out there all of our back catalogue and that's 20 no 30 episodes actually now all of our back catalogue is going to be played every monday night at seven o'clock on microbrew radio just look them up on facebook they've got a website and every every monday seven o'clock so i think that's all for this evening if you're wondering why kamal was on the this this outro to the uh, the podcast is because we've got him in the studio tonight for a future recording uh, but we thought he could share his knowledge with us. So all it remains for me to say is thanks for listening to another edition of Stump Sumps and Beer Pumps. We are the Club Cricket Podcast, and we're also part of the Sports Social Network. Don't forget you can reach us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram, or by emailing us at stumpsumpsandbeerpumps at gmail.com. So all it remains for me to say is ciao, brethren. See you again. Till next time. Take care. Stumps, sumps and beer pumps. So that's all we've got time for for this edition of Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps. Thank you to our special guest today. If you know someone at your club that wishes to come and have a chat with us and talk about your club, then please email us on stumpsumpsandbeerpumps at gmail.com. Also, please like and subscribe, and also you can follow us on Twitter. 
If you've got any questions, any stories, or any funny anecdotes, then please again email us on stumpsumpsandbeerpumps at gmail.com. We hope you've enjoyed our tour around club cricket life. So please join us again for more of the same. Thank you very much for listening. This is Stump Sumps and Beer Pumps. So until next time, there's your one for the over. Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps. Sports Social Podcast Network. Stump, Sumps and Beer Pumps. <laughs>